Happy Sabbath. Before we start today, uh, we need to do just a few um, business matters that we need to talk about. Um, I would like to give a very brief um, finance report from 2018. We never got to do that last year. So I have some um, slides that I prepared. Um, so the total, total offering, yes, that's it. Total offering last year, 2017, at the end of the year, was 774,779, which was very close to 2016, which was 788,843. But um, 100,000 of it was actually a Cambodian mission trip. Um, that kind of shows where we are financially as a whole church. This is only English ministries. And the tithe last year... 2017 was $423,161, which was slightly over than our 2016 tithe. Uh, growth fund, our, our annual growth fund goal is around 80000 so um, 81000 in 2017 and $81,000 in 2016, um, doing very well. Uh, church budget, 2017 was $85,335. Um, 2016 was 807, very close, um, but slightly less than last year, um, than 2016. But what's, um, what we need to talk about, actually, is that annual, we don't really have an annual goal for church budget, but what we want to see is about 120,000. So um, that's the goal that we are shooting for each year. Okay, uh, next one. Um, having said that, as you know, um, the church building, everyone's asking me, Pastor, when are we going to move in? The answer is, you know this, soon. <laughs> okay? Soon. I told you many times, soon means what? We don't know when, but we're getting, we're getting there, okay? So soon. Um, so last year, when we talked about church building fund, at the end of the year, we closed with um, only for church building. We hit $112,590.82. I'm going to tell you why I'm talking about to the cents, okay? As of today, in 2018, we have collected in church building fund $68,173.84. Okay, so total church building fund so far, we have collected 180764 and 66 cents. Do you know why I'm talking about cents? It's because there are people in our church who are in elementary school. They're paying $3 a month in church building offering. There are kids at our church who are putting $20 a month. There are students at our church in campus ministry. They're putting $20, $25 a month into our church building fund. The church that we are going to move in soon will be built by every person in our church. So when you move in, if, if you don't have your seat, you need to put some money in there so we can have a seat for you. Okay. All right? Our three-year goal is about $750,000. So please, everyone, be mindful of our church building fund. All right? Let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our church, everyone here. 
And we're just so excited about the new church. Lord, um, I pray that you continue to guide us and be with us, Lord. Help us to use this church, our spiritual oasis, where we can get together and taste the living water, Jesus Christ. Now, as we open the Bible, open our hearts also. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who, uh, who have never seen the new church, today at 2 o'clock, what time? 2 o'clock, we're going to open up the new church. You can go see what the children's rooms will look like. You can go see what the worship place will look like. You can go see our nine-acre campus, church campus. So everyone's invited to show up at 2 o'clock today at the new site. Does everyone know where that is located? I don't think you can Google map it right now. Can we Google map it right now? The address? So pretty much, you know where California is? California and Barton, the gas station? From the gas station, you look to the south and you're going to see buildings, brand new buildings. And that's our church. So hopefully I'll see you at 2 o'clock today. Raising two children... There's something that I used to fantasize about, raising two children, okay? A lot of times we tell them to do something. A lot of times we we tell them to get ready, and um, the kids are not getting ready. They're not listening to us. And you fantasize about my two kids saying to me, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You know what I mean? So we tell them to get ready. We're late. And then instead of arguing with us, they say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. In all my years as a Christian, the one question that has emerged more frequently than any other has been, what is God's will for my life? Sometimes we feel like, I don't want to know God's will. I just want to do what I want to do with my life. But then we hear the inner voice that says, as a Christian, we need to know God's will. My life is not just about me, but about God who created me. Every Christian, regardless of their age or their day job, should be seeking to understand the will of God for their lives. God has a plan for you, irrespective of your background, faculties, temperament, or disposition. You can't change yesterday, but you can choose to follow Him today. One of the greatest joy you can have as a Christian is the assurance that you are in the center of God's will. So we need to fight against our selfish ambition and navigate our lives to be in line with God's will. As followers of Jesus, we need to look for direction. We're called to live according to a higher purpose than our own. Then we wonder, 
how do I find what God's will is for me? Should we look for signs? Where is my burning bush, right? If a burning bush comes and talks to me, then maybe I'll follow him. Should we put out fleeces and maybe an angel will show up? Maybe then I'll follow God. Please turn with me to John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40 today. John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40. Jesus simplifies God's will for us. Okay? John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40. I'm going to read it for you. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those who he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Loma Linda Church, what is God's will for you? What is God's will for all of us? Jesus makes it clear and simple for all of us today. God's will for us is to look to Jesus and be saved. That's it. Look to Jesus and be saved. God's will for you is not for you to go into a certain career or move to a foreign country. God's will for us is not for us to get into a certain program or marry a certain person. Nor is it for us to live in a certain state or a country. You do not have to have the super career or be married or be married or live in the right state or a country. What we find over and over in the Bible is that God's will for you, first and foremost, is for you to follow Jesus and be saved. Jesus said it. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. That is it. And this totally makes sense because this whole belief, the foundation of it is plan of salvation. And plan of salvation was God's will for Jesus and for all of us. We need to talk about the context of what Jesus is talking about today a little bit, okay? So in John chapter 6, what we find is Jesus just fed 5,000 people. Actually, in reality, Jesus fed way more than 5,000 people because it says 5,000 men. So probably there are about 20,000 people that Jesus fed. Do you know how difficult it is to feed 20,000 people? Our church, we feed over 500 people every Sabbath. It is so hard. Okay? So don't ever complain about potluck. It is so difficult to feed that many people every weekend. But then for me, you give me rice, kim, tubu, man, I'm good. So when you say potluck, say, thank you, Jesus, 
and you just eat and enjoy it, okay? But what happens here is that after Jesus fed 2,000 people, they all got crazy and they wanted to crown Jesus as a king. So Jesus had to, to send his disciples ahead of him and he had to go to the mountain and pray. And then he saw his disciples still going on the boat and he thought, you know what, I'm just going to walk on water and catch up with them. So he walks on water and goes on the other side of the, of the lake. And when he arrives there, all the people followed Jesus and they say, Hey, Jesus, where were you? We were looking for you. And Jesus looked at this big crowd and he said, You're not looking for me. I fed you and you taste the food and you came for more. You wanted more food. Then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you have me, you will never go hungry again. We know that Bible verse. After that, after that is today's passage. Jesus talks about he's the bread of life, and then he goes right into it, and he talks about my Father's will. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. That was the heartbeat of Jesus. We remember this also from Another time when Jesus was praying way later than this story, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane. Faced with the agony of betrayal, torture, and crucifixion, Jesus prayed. And he prayed what? Not my will, but your will be done. Again, God's will for us is for us to believe in Jesus and be saved. God's will means, okay, God's will means God's desires, God's interest, God's pleasure. There's nothing God desires more than our salvation. Nothing interests God or pleases God more than saving you and me. Last Monday, my wife and I were driving back from a wedding in Glendale area. So my whole sermon, the, the wedding sermon was about, you know what, it's not about your interest, it's about your spouse's interest, right? So telling the husband, husband, it's not about your interest, it's about your wife's interest. Wife, it's not about your interest, it is about your husband's interest. When you submit your interest to your spouse, that's the only way marriage will work. Man, great message. You know what I mean? Right? And that was a new sermon for a wedding because I have five wedding sermons that I rotate all the time. It's only because I have to do so many weddings in Loma Linda and I noticed that whenever I went somewhere, it's like same people coming to the same wedding all the time. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I need about five and rotate them. You know what I mean? It's not my fault. 
Okay, that's just the way it works here in Loma Linda. So this was a new one, and I was like, yeah, marriage is about, not about you, but about your husband. Not about you, it's about your wife. That's the only way marriage will work. And then that message was given that last Monday, and on the way back, I asked my wife to drive because, you know, I got tired. Okay, I was tired, so, honey, can you drive? So my wife was driving, and then I took a nap for like 15 minutes, and then I woke up, and I felt really refreshed. You know, the power nap really works, right? It's like, oh, feeling good. I woke up, and then like, honey, uh, what do you think about the wedding? Da-da-da. And I was trying to talk to my wife, but I noticed something about my wife. When I tried to talk to her, every time I asked a question, she's like touching her phone and then answering and then touching it back. Every time I asked a question, she's touching the phone again. And, the, and then I realized that she had an earphone on and she was probably listening to something. Okay? So, of course... I am so nuchipala, right? Meaning, I'm, you know, I have this high, high sensibility, so I'm like, oh, she doesn't want to talk to me right now. But I was like, oh, I want to talk to her. <laughs> so I was like, I wanted to talk to her, but then I thought, I just preached about this. It's not about my interest. It's about my wife's interest. Not my will, but her will. Okay. So I decided I'm going to give her this time and I'm going to be quiet the whole way. So I'm like sitting down and trying to look at my phone, but there was nothing going on. So I was like, hmm, thinking. And I'm like, oh, should I talk to her? Should I not talk to her? And I know about my wife and her earphone because I have a daughter whose ears are always plugged in, right? I yell at her. I talk to her. And I go to her room. She's like doing something. I'm like, did you hear anything I said? And she goes, huh? (laughs) One time that happened, so I was so upset because I told her a lot of stuff. And then I realized the whole time her ears were plugged, she didn't listen to anything I said. So I went downstairs and I told my wife, honey, Chris, (laughs) honey, um, she's doing it again. I was like, we should not have bothered the phone. She's not listening to me. And, you know, nothing that I'm telling her is getting through. And then my wife looked at me, and she said this. Huh? (laughs) Her ears were plugged, too. Anyway... I saw her really enjoying, probably listening to podcast or, or an audio book, whatever she's doing, she's, she's listening to it the one year. And I'm like, I got to give her this. And then the whole 45 minutes that were coming back, there was a battle in my head. I was thinking, you know, I need to talk to her and we need to be like connected in order for our marriage to work out, we have to talk all the time. We've got to work things out. You know, just her listening to her own stuff is probably not good for our marriage. And then I thought, but then 
It's just 45 minutes. Just let her have her time. You know, my wife is very introverted, so every time we go to a wedding together and she has to meet people, it's so stressful for her. So I'm like, oh, just give her the time. And then I thought, no, but I already gave her 30 minutes. We can talk a little bit. <laughs> so whole 45-minute ride back, there was a battle in my head, but my wife, completely oblivious to what's going on with me, she's just enjoying her podcast. What my wife desires, a, a quiet ride back home. What I desire, talking and laughing the whole time. I know, my way is better. <laughs> my friends in Loma Linda, you know, this was so hard to do. Like, limiting myself and like, Think about her desire and, and her interest. Doing it was very, very difficult. It was so hard to put her interest over my interest. And you know what I learned? You know what I learned at that moment? I learned that it is not about knowing the will of God. It's actually about doing the will of God. I knew exactly what she wanted. I knew her desire. I knew her interest. But doing it was very, very difficult. So after you find out what God's will is, what are you going to do? I told you today, listen, the Bible says God's will for you is for you to be saved. What are you going to do now about God's will? Finding out or knowing God's will is not going to get us anywhere. You know what we need to do? We need to do God's will. Did you notice from today's today's passage, Jesus' words. Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. To Jesus, it was always about doing God's will. Don't just read about God's will in the Bible. Carry it out in your life. You know what Jesus said to us? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I heard about a salesman who went out to visit a farmer on his land. He knocked on the door. Sir, I would like to sell you this book. So the farmer asked, what is the book about? Well, it teaches you how to farm better. And the farmer laughed and responded, well, I already know more farming 
than I am doing now. The farmer already knew way more about farming. He just wasn't doing it. Isn't it true for so many Christians that we already know more about the will of God than we are doing? God's will for us, it is for us to follow Jesus. That's it. We already know this. We just need to do it. This requires complete surrender of all of your life to God. It really is about not my will, but His will. A lot of us want to know God's will, but we fail to do it. It's one thing to know about the will of God, but the challenge is doing it. One of the most prominent characteristics of our modern day Christians is indecision. Indecision. Okay? I've spoken about this many times. Right? Sometimes these days we get, when we get invited and there's like an invitation through email, you know, it used to be that, can you come or not? Yes or no? What do we have now? Yes or no or maybe... What is up with the maybes? It should be either you're going to come, yes, or not come, no. Why do we have maybe? You know why we have maybes these days? Because some of us these days, they want to think about this. And it's not like I want to check my schedule. Hey, you want to check your schedule? Open the phone and check it right away. It takes 30 seconds. Oh, you want to run it by your wife? Text her. It takes five minutes. In my case, 15 minutes. Okay? <laughs> okay? You can check it, but you know why we have maybes? Because we have so many people these days who do not want to make the decision to go or not. They want to wait it out. And they want to see who's coming. They want to see the yeses and no's. Like, mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't know yet. And then last minute, they show up, right? That's why we have maybes. Many people today refuse to make decisions. Today's generation wants to keep all the options open. You know what I mean? And when I say today's generation, trust me, I do not mean just young people. You know who you are, young, young old people, Still cannot make decisions, right? You know who you are. The, okay, you know the word? Decision comes from this Latin word meaning cut off. Did you know that? The word decision comes from a Latin word meaning cut off. Once you make a decision to go in one direction, okay, you cut off all the other Options. That's what you mean when you make a decision. Okay? All other possibilities and options, I made a decision. I'm going to cut off all of those. If you decide to marry this person, then you're going to cut off all the other people. They're just distractions. No, you cut them off. 
If you decide to go to a Chinese restaurant for dinner, you cut off the option of eating pizza, okay? You can't have it all. We must learn that to decide is to cut off all other options. Many people who say they've made a decision for Christ, I've chosen Jesus in my life, why do we want to keep our options open? The will for God is for us to be saved. We make the decision and we go to that one direction. There are no maybes. God wants us to follow Jesus. That is his will. Let's decide to follow him and cut off all other options. All other things that take us away from Jesus, cut them off. Make your decision. A key step in spiritual maturity is developing the ability to make firm, righteous decisions and to commit ourselves 100% to Jesus, to God. Florence Nightingale, at 30 years of age, wrote in her diary, okay, I am 30 years of age, the age at which Christ began his ministry. Now, no more childish things Now, no more vain things. Now, Lord, let me think only of thy will. God wants you to do something about his will for you. That's when the calling comes. Sometimes we are called to be full-time pastors or, or missionaries in foreign countries, okay? I would love to see at least like a couple pastors coming out of our church. So young people, any? Yeah, come on. But most of us, the call is just to follow Christ wherever we are in whatever we do. Jesus came to the God's will And I want to do God's will by following him. Then, Lomal in the church, what is the next step? So, well, let's recap, okay? Let's recap a little bit today's message. Um, What is God's will? To follow Jesus and be saved, right? Okay? So then, Lomal in the church, next step is to bring someone to follow Jesus. God's will for you is to follow him and be saved. And the next step is to bring somebody to follow Jesus. This is the heartbeat of Jesus and this is a spirit of God. And this is a business that we are in. All of us together, we're in this one business and that is to bring others to Jesus. I know that most of us think that as long as I'm a good person, right? As long as I go to church, as long as I don't do terrible things, it's all good. I'm good, right? No. We need to get in our Father's business. And that is to bring people to Christ. 
You know what Ellen White said about this? this amazing. I, I, I love this. You know what she said? She said, Christians should hold on to Jesus with, with one hand, okay? So we hold on to Jesus with one hand, okay? And she said, and also hold on to someone else on the other. On one hand, hold on to Jesus and hold on to someone else on the other. This is a picture that, that we wanted to paint in our church, that we follow Jesus and that we help someone else follow Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus submitted the ultimate will of God. And it meant to carry the cross. No one understands better than God how difficult it can be for a human to embrace the will of God. And no human has suffered more in embracing the will of God than the Son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus calls us to follow him, whatever the cost, he's not calling us to do something he's either unwilling to do or has never done himself. At the end of the day, the will of God for us may mean joining Jesus in carrying the cross. It's not going to be easy, but doing his will means bringing someone to Jesus. At a certain point, instead of being spoon-fed all the time like a baby, we need to feed ourselves, the moment in the church. That is what spiritual maturity is all about. This may mean helping someone with their burden, carrying their cross to ease their load. This may mean shining Jesus in your everyday work by being kinder or nicer, more gentle, or being more patient. This may mean inviting someone to church or a small group. This may mean simply being a witness of Jesus in your work every day. Loma Linda Church, we need to be intentional about bringing people to Jesus Christ. That is an application of following God's will for us in our lives. Look at each person in the Bible. Look at each person in the Bible who followed the will of God instead of their own. Moses was called out to rescue the Israelites, right? Out of slavery. Elijah, out of idolatry. Joshua was called to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, into the new temple. Disciples and Apostle Paul were called to lead people into discipleship of Jesus. Everyone who followed the will of God, they eventually brought somebody to God. We need to constantly think about how I can help that person to follow Jesus. We need to constantly think about how I can help my friend 
close to Jesus. That is the will of God for all of us. Is there anything more worthy than that? Is there anything more precious and eternal than that? So Loma Linda Church, may your prayers be not my will, but his will. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this